This is Rivers to Resilience. The podcast where we educate, inspire, motivate and transform you and your teams on your journey to emotional resilience. We hear stories and advice from leaders and experts, allowing you to harness their wisdom with transformational, evidence-based strategies to building emotional resilience. Join accredited cognitive behavioural psychotherapist and author Martina Witter as she deep dives into all aspects of resilience building, whilst also helping you to crush stress and improve and retain your performance, productivity and profits. That's here on Rivers to Resilience. Hi, welcome to Rivers to Resilience podcast. I'm so excited to introduce you to today's guest. We've got the fantastic Dr. Jill McGarry, who is a chartered clinical psychologist, and we'll be discussing about all things related to resilience and sleep. So get ready for a fantastic episode. What I'm going to do now is just hand you over to Dr. Jill McGarry, and she's going to share a little bit with you about her, her background and her kind of insights into sleep and resilience. Oh, thank you very much, Martina, for inviting me. I'm really thrilled that we're having this opportunity. Um, And to just describe, I suppose, a little bit about me will be to say um, I've been working in the NHS for 25 years um, as a clinical psychologist. I've spent most of that time working with people with learning disabilities and autism. Um, But out of those years, towards the end, I began to realise that I absolutely adored Um, helping people with sleep problems Um, and when I think about it even more I did it in my home life I've done it with friends and family and it is such an integral part of our life that gosh my passion for it is just overflowing that I'm now only partly working in the NHS and working privately to help people do some training add some understanding I have a dream that one day it'll be part of the school curriculum because you know we spend such a large part of our life um, sleeping a mm-hmm. third of it that yeah. you know why are we not taught at school you know in my day we used to do sleeping lions mm-hmm. um we used to have a moment in the classroom at primary school where we'd all have a sleep I don't know whether that was to help the teacher <laughs> you know, how to nap yeah and actually it was a teacher telling us that mm-hmm. sleep is really important so so yeah, yeah that's where I am right um, no that's fantastic that's fantastic. And as I'm just kind of listening to what you shared, it makes me think of, I guess, the narrative that's that we're exposed to in society around sleep now. And I think especially as a business owner and entrepreneur, sometimes, you know, sleep is, it isn't necessarily prioritised and it's all about um, working, isn't it? And, and hitting those goals. And I'll hold my hands up sometimes. That is my narrative. I'm yeah. just being really honest. And yeah, so this is going to be a fantastic episode. And I just thought, sorry, no, go ahead. Yeah, and it is true. I think we lived um, and we still are in some degrees living with that old ethos of, you know, you sleep when you're dead. And then mm. you're sleeping, then you're, you're you know, you're you're missing out on doing something and your competitors yes. might be filling the gap. And yes. there's always more. And I think we live in a world today full of information, and there's always more and more that you can do yes. as well as take in. Mm-hmm. And that actually you need sleep to be able to take that information in. And that's really, really hard to prioritize it when mm-hmm. you need to. Yeah. Um, and we are lucky as a human being, we can 
go without sleep mm-hmm. for a little while and mm-hmm. it'd be okay. It's just not constantly doing it. Yeah. So, so, but then it becomes a little bit of a habit, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, I'll, yeah. I managed to do without it for a few days or I can keep going. Yeah. And, and that's when the problems come in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm, I'm sure you're one of millions of people. <laughs> We've all yeah. done it, haven't we? Yeah. yeah. Universe has. Yes. Yeah. But like you said, if it's just for like a season or a couple of days, then that's okay. But then if it's if it's a lifestyle, that's when it becomes problematic um, in the long term. Yeah. But what I want to ask you about is, you know, from your perspective as a clinical psychologist, how would you describe resilience? And yeah, what role has that played in in your life? Because we're all this podcast is all about focusing on resistance and resilience and we'll focus on in particular the, the the sleep and the role that that has it in resilience but there's lots of theories around resilience and people describe it in different ways so how would you summarize it yeah I know we were talking about doing this podcast oh quite a while ago mm-hmm. and so every now and then I've heard little snippets of different people talking about resilience mm-hmm. um, and I've heard lots of people talking about it being about the bounce back being able to 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 take the knocks but but carry on and come back back bounce back better even yeah um, and and being flexible as well yeah um, and, I, and I've been thinking about what what would I describe it like and I love the analogy that um, a mindfulness practitioner shared with me quite a lot of years ago around it for me it feels more like and I'm not a sailor um, and, I, and I don't know how to sail but it is one of my learning um, goals yeah um, it's like being on the sea and mm-hmm. some days it's calm and sometimes it's choppy. Mm-hmm. But if you've got an anchor mm-hmm. then and you know when to put your anchor down, mm-hmm. then actually you can weather the storm. Yeah. And if you know where the port is mm-hmm. and you know what the weather might be like coming up while you're looking at the forecast, mm-hmm. I think, and, and you've also got your, I don't know what you call it, on a boat or a ship, you know, your steering wheel, whatever yeah. it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's another word for it, isn't there? Yeah, I know yeah. what you mean. <laughs> we all know what you mean. <laughs> That's why I'm not a, a sailor. But for me, it really does engender that that's what resilience is is having mm-hmm. a strong boat and making your boat strong mm-hmm. um, and and being able to weather those storms and also to enjoy the moments when it's still and perhaps yeah. even enjoy the moments when it's rocky mm-hmm. you know because changes you, you will be bored of just stillness all the time mm-hmm. um so yeah it's a I suppose that's my best way of embracing it I think yeah it? no I, I I love that that kind of definition and using that that kind of analogy of, of, of a, um, a boat or a yacht and, you know, being able to navigate through those storms and enjoying the good and the bad times. And it is about, like you said, it, embracing it and acknowledging that life isn't always going to be easy. And, and I think everyone has kind of learned that in particular over the past couple of years with COVID, we've, we've had no, no choice but to try and navigate through it. And then now with inflation it's just ongoing in the world yeah Ukraine and yeah it does it it does really interesting even that when I think about why I've got that analogy I think back to my own um, family history and I think um my nana she's Spanish and she Mm -hmm. came over to England in the the Spanish Civil War Mm -hmm. um, and she married a sailor right um, so, there's, so maybe there's a connection there yeah but, you, know, you just mentioned Ukraine and that's what mm-hmm. reminded me that she was she was trying to escape then and she came to mm-hmm. England and it wasn't a successful marriage she had with him she was a very and she was a very strong Catholic mm-hmm. and and he actually um physically abused her 
to right. such an extent she had gangrene on her back oh, um, wow. so she was one of the first catholics in manchester to, to get a divorce so you oh can, right oh wow um, so you know so that- i have a really um strong story to tell mm-hmm. or have been told around us as women we can we can we can work through adversity we can mm-hmm. move to new places and we can still find our our clan so yeah. my nana had some really good friends that supported her through it because mm-hmm. it's as much about who's around you that that help you through the difficult times as much yes. as anything else mm-hmm. and um and that she found another gentleman my granddad mm-hmm. and married him and had a beautiful family yeah Um, so for me that's a real so so that story's been told by my nana many times and I and I saw her live by that as well she Mm -hmm. really lived in the present she didn't think back to those days and 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 curse and stuff she Mm -hmm. just wanted she wanted the next thing that was better right and and learned from the past I think yeah her, her philosophy was always um take the opportunity jail um, mm-hmm. And if you don't like it, just learn from it. Yeah, there's always something we can learn from from experiences, but you've got to have that right mind. You've got to have that growth mindset, haven't you? And, and be open to, to to learning. And you've got to look for look for the learning opportunities. Yeah. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to navigate through it. And yeah. you can come out of a storm or adversity sometimes actually worse. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you're not looking for that growth and you're not embracing it but yeah. I love I love um what you shared about your nana and it sounds like what came to mind is that she's like she um personified resilience and she, she's your role model and having role models is key yes. to resilience yeah. as well yeah so thank you for sharing that and I didn't know your nana was Spanish so that's that's yeah. really interesting and insightful yeah and actually for everyone listening Jill Jill Dr Jill McGarry was actually my my supervisor when I was an assistant psychologist and learning difficulties service a a long time ago so it's it's great to to be here and crossing paths and to yeah for you to actually be on my podcast it's a privilege and an honor and to tap into your your expertise 25 years in the NHS (laughs) Crazy amount of time. I think yeah. it's probably nearly 20 years since we last worked together. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But it's it so is. nice that paths can cross again. Yes, it is. Yeah. It is. It's such a small world, and especially in this digital age that, that we're living in as well. It's, yeah, it's so much easier to connect with people. And it's, I guess it's about leveraging that and using the opportunities mm-hmm. that are there but what role would you say resilience has has played in particular in, in in your life and if we think about your career and I think you touched a little bit on the personal side mm-hmm. but if there's anything else to maybe add yeah. about that mm-hmm. and that probably fits really nicely with what you said about us knowing each other a long time because mm-hmm. we've lived in the world of psychology people that are listening might not know that to get into a career in psychology is quite hard you know the number of people that are doing a psychology degree is is high the number of people mm-hmm. doing psychology a level is really high and therefore to find a career when there's so much competition out there is really really hard so mm-hmm. I think you know resilience um is essential and I don't know where I got the phrase from but the phrase persistency and consistency wins the game 
Oh, I massive that. one mm-hmm. for me. Um, and I didn't get on the doctorate straight away. Mm-hmm. I think, and I had a daughter in the middle of trying to get on the doctorate. And that was really unusual in my day. Mm-hmm. It happens quite a lot now. But I was, I was the only person with kids. I was the only person oh, going through an right. interview pregnant. Right. <laughs> uh, oh, wow. So, but that wouldn't happen today. Women are allowed to do those things yeah. and not yeah. thought to be insane and, mm-hmm. and it's impossible. Um, so, you know, I, I know that um, it took me longer. It took me five years to get on. Mm-hmm. But I knew, I think if you hold your values and you hold internally what's important to you mm-hmm. and you feel it, I yeah. think it's been very much not just going with a head thought but does it resonate internally with you mm. also a bit like um interioception like proprioception mm-hmm. how does it really feel with you um, and yeah. so therefore you will go through it even longer you will you will yeah. keep at it mm-hmm. if that's if that's what's important to yeah. you yeah um and everybody has to take their own road for what's what's right for them mm-hmm. and several people used to say to me Jill why are you going again why are you doing it? Why don't you just do that? Social yeah. work course you got on, you got mm-hmm. an MSc. And I went, well, maybe there will be a time when I stop, but actually I'm not at that point. My heart doesn't tell me to stop yet. Mm-hmm. And my head doesn't. Um, and I, I used to think of it a bit like Olympics. Um, you know, they have to do it every four or five years, isn't it? You know, yeah. they, they only have that one chance. Mm-hmm. And sometimes those we don't hear about those that don't win, do we? But yeah. some people do really try. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes I can't remember which runner it is, a woman um who actually kept going and kept going and she mm. didn't get there in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. so that so for me there's a there's an essence of 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 yeah resilience that came from that. Mm-hmm. But I wonder whether you know that's about my professional life and and once and once you get on the course, you know, you don't need to just be resilient to get on it. It's a really tough course. Yeah. You know, I had a young family and trying to study at the same time as um as as bringing up a young daughter wasn't an easy thing. And my husband worked away, so I, was, I felt like a right. single parent Monday right. to Friday. Um, That's so impressive that you were able, able to, to do that. Yeah, yeah, to keep up with, you know, what's important to you and to, mm-hmm. to balance those different demands on your yeah. time. It's really hard, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so always keeping in mind, finding a little space for me as well in amongst all of that yeah. is really important. And, and just being honest with my friends and saying mm-hmm. to them, you know, I'm going to find these next three years, that bit about forecasting and saying, this is going to be a tough three years. I'll be there at the end of it, mm-hmm. but you might have to be less in my life. You mm-hmm. might have to put up with a little bit of an aggro, Jill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, honesty about that and, and mm-hmm. saying things aren't easy. Yeah. I think it's probably one of the biggest things in my mm-hmm. professional life. But in my personal life, I think um, I was able to do that and do other things because I'm hugely accident prone. I don't know if you know that about me. Marcia. Not at all. Um, I'm actually very surprised. I would say the opposite. No, yeah. well, that's because I'm trying to be really careful a lot of the time. I thought you were very meticulous. Everything was in its place. That's the memory yeah. I have of you. I am... I am, oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, sorry. I am really meticulous. I am really organized, but I am very accident prone. I, so I never I will saw fall any of over that. my feet. I will, 
right. fall down the stairs. Oh, so I was a young child. Right. And even in the learning disability, I think when um, I was leaving, there was a video of me opening a door into my face. Oh, no. <laughs> because I just, I, I can't think and do. Right. And so it just gets in the way because, yeah. yeah. Um, but I learned from being quite young and I did have many accidents and I ended up in the hospital many times. Right. I would do crazy things like you think you could do a handstand down the stairs or oh, <laughs> you can't, can you? Or, or swing on the washing line, you right. know. And and so I learned that you just learn by practicing and know yeah. what to do. And I, I became quite, I suppose that, that thing you said, I was saying right at the beginning about the bounce back. Yeah. I did bounce back and taking little risks is okay. Mm-hmm. And well, there's sometimes crazy risks. <laughs> yeah. I think I learned that along the way. Um, but that it, it's okay. Mm-hmm. And as long as you've got your support around you, yeah, you can come back from it. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, my daughters had um my eldest daughter, I've got two, um, had um a dog viciously attack her face. So she wow. got um um a very big scar on her face. Um, and working through that as a mom and wondering how she was going to cope with mm. the scar. Um, you know, those things are really tough, aren't they? Because yeah. it's not about coping for yourself, but it's helping your loved ones that mm. are around you. And um, that's that, 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 yeah, you, you learn along the way, I think, some resilience. Yes. Um, and it, it's almost like a muscle, isn't it? And it just gets yes. stronger and stretched yeah. a little bit more. And I think sometimes you need it. I mean, I've just yeah. gone through, or I'm going through the menopause and I'm definitely mm-hmm. glad. I've learned some of those lessons along mm-hmm. the way. Yeah. Um, and that I'm at the, yeah, at a time that I need to to, to use those muscles. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. yeah. And it makes me think when you said about the, the resilience muscles and the menopause and some of the, you know, mm. your daughter um, you know, being attacked, unfortunately, it made, it made me think of um, resilience as, you know, that we've got a bank, there's a bank of, of our resilience. And we've got to, as we're going along in life and we go through challenges and adversity, we're kind of filling up that, that, that bank. And then we're kind of withdrawing from it as and when needed. But if we don't embrace those challenges or actually take stock, sometimes there isn't anything within the bank that we can draw upon so it's you know I would say it's always important that we try and look for opportunities and when I do training around resilience I I do use the analogy of resilience being um, a muscle but then also thinking about sometimes people say oh well you know I'm not really facing any challenges so you know I don't know whether I'm resilient and I say well you can always like maybe take up a new sport learn a new hobby Mm -hmm. or skill and then that's your opportunity to build your resilience muscle. So you're filling up that bank and then you can withdraw from it as and when needed. Because in reality, we, we're not going to be looking for trouble, are we? Well, I'm not looking for trouble or adversity, no. No. but, it, but it's, it's there. It, it, it yeah. is there, yeah. whether we like it or, or, yeah. or not. Yeah, and some people um, aren't always reflective and that they will have had adversity mm-hmm. perhaps they don't see it as that which is a good thing yeah and um, you know that but that doesn't that doesn't help you when you need it later on mm-hmm. so sometimes you said a little bit ago didn't you about the fact that you need to sometimes pause you know yes. and and, and, re- and to take it in and I think that is really important isn't mm-hmm. it because you do need a almost pat yourself on the back and say you've survived it yeah rather than just moving on to the next thing mm-hmm. because I think that's when burnout happens isn't it yeah 
you're not yeah. willing to stop and pause and mm-hmm. oh my god you managed that you survived it yeah. oh my gosh and wow look at where you are now from where mm-hmm. you were before you can yeah. make you make a difference to I suppose it's a bit like your analogy of the money in the piggy bank mm-hmm. you don't even know the pennies are there are they that you can yeah. take if yeah. you don't and reflect mm-hmm. yeah um, yeah so I haven't always kept a journal I did do when I was younger mm-hmm. but for the last Oh, it's nearly five years now. I've been keeping a very mini journal. Mm-hmm. It's called the Happiness Project. I don't know if you've heard of I've it. Heard, I have heard of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So every night for five years, you just write one sentence of something that you've been happy with or mm-hmm. something that you've achieved. Right. And then each year you add the next line and the next line. So after five years, you can read back and read the things right. that you've achieved before. And I think that's so important mm-hmm. because we can reflect on the moment. Yeah. But it's so good reading back. Oh my God. Yeah. I forgot mm-hmm. I managed to do that. Yeah. You know, it, it helps. Yeah. Ingrain it almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it, I don't know. Some things just sit on the surface sometimes, don't yeah. they? You need to, to push it at a deeper mm-hmm. level. That's yeah. I'm glad that you shared that because that fits in with the first rivers to resilience, which is looking at emotional awareness, um, journaling as well, because that, that is the foundation for being able to self-regulate because if you're not aware of what is actually going on you can't locate yourself how are you able to to build your resilience if you don't know where you are or maybe you know kind of quite I love you know quantifying resilience or how you know how someone is emotionally if you can't state that maybe you're a five how well how do you know how to get to an eight yeah so it's yeah, that is impressive what you shared about the journal. I do journal, but it's not it's not it's not consistently. Um, Your mind's not. Yeah. <laughs> on holiday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think, gosh, man, I'm just I'm always, yeah, I'm it's always self aware, reflecting up constantly. It's just yeah. <laughs> in my nature. <laughs> <laughs> can't get away from it yeah. No. yeah but it's sometimes not having the time to write it down isn't it that that's you know? what it yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's just like oh do I have to but I wonder whether because I love thinking back to when we were cavemen and cave women and mm-hmm. um, you know even then we wrote on walls didn't we there's yeah. something about getting it out and out of your head and into reality, whether it be yeah. song and music, yeah. dancing, mm-hmm. or whether because we were talking about dancing before, weren't we? And about mm-hmm. how 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 it can invigorate you, yes, yeah. Um, or whether it be about writing it in a journal, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. being creative and um, aligning your values with, with how you're journaling or how you're expressing yourself. And as you as you were just sharing about the um, journaling, what came to mind is. I don't know how my brain is thinking. I was thinking, well, actually, in this digital social media age, actually, in some respects, you are journaling. I'm just thinking about the social media. You've got to give of yourself. Storytelling is powerful in marketing, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. So actually, yeah. I would say that is journaling and documenting your story. Yeah. Yeah. And you can look back, can't you? Facebook yeah. at that. It can actually give you memories back to you. The yeah. Spontaneous moments that yeah. give you joy that you hadn't even mm-hmm. thought you wouldn't go looking for it. Cause it yes. just, they, they, they have some algorithm that just mm-hmm. pops it out there in front of you. Doesn't yes. it? Yeah. Um, but yeah. And I think that's, that's who we are, aren't we? As cavemen mm-hmm. and women, we'd sit around the campfire late at night mm-hmm. and we would tell each other stories. Yes. And it is the stories that sit with us rather than, it the, is. Facts and the figures. Yeah. Um, so yeah. 
yeah, it, it, it's I agree completely on people's feeds that they they mm-hmm. share yes yeah. <laughs> so um varied depending on who you're following yeah <laughs> oh so just building upon what we've already explored what role would you say well actually no I think we've already kind of touched upon that a little bit I mean is there anything more that you want to share about resilience in your personal or professional life before we move on to focusing in on on, on sleep Mm -hmm. um in my personal life you know um I was saying a little bit about health so gosh I'm trying to think how many years ago it was probably about six years ago I've had a heart condition for many years um, but I'd got to an age where the doctor said Jill I think you now need to have the operation the longer you leave it the worse it'll be so I'd um because I had this heart this heart condition that meant I was very susceptible to um adrenaline affecting my heart so my heart would go into double speed whenever I got an adrenaline rush so it could be an anxious thing or it could be an excited thing oh but if you but it, but it was fine if it was just that but if you added yeah. in coffee so that always gets your adrenaline going yeah and you added in sleep deprivation so that was another reason why I got right. into sleep. Ah, I see. I realised that I had to be really careful with my sleep because yeah. I quite liked my coffees. Yeah. <laughs> and I liked having adrenaline. I didn't want to live on a yeah. sleep of plateau yeah. and nothing happening. So I learned how to really make sure I got good quality sleep, not quantity, but quality mm-hmm. sleep. Right. I worked really quite hard at it. Um, and then when I did have the heart operation, um, I had to be awake when they did it. Um, oh my gosh (laughs) and they had to they had to pump adrenaline into my body so they could see the extra pathways that it was creating or using right and then they had to burn them um but I I couldn't feel the pain because your heart doesn't have any pain receptors right the the tubes that went into my heart went through my groin so the only pain was in my leg and they gave me painkillers for that I was awake but it was a three hour operation. So I learned a lot about breathing well um, during that time. And I can't tell you how much I have used good breathing with my clients Mm. and with myself, especially around sleep and people having breathing problems and needing sleep apnea machines. Mm -hmm. um, Oh, I know about that. My aunties had sleep apnea and yeah, and I saw them. Yeah, but we can we can stop people needing the machine by teaching people to breathe better. Mm. Um, but I learned how to breathe through that operation, doing really mm-hmm. good yoga, um, so I could survive the three-hour operation and it yeah. was fine. But I also used breathing whenever the attacks happened before I had the operation. Right. So I never needed the medication. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, you know, so some very natural, ordinary things in life, like everybody says anybody can breathe but we don't we don't breathe properly yeah and I'm fascinated by the fact that um one of the top yogis talks about the fact that we should um breathe through our mouth as much as we eat through our nose right so that's that's a wacky thing to say we yeah should, we should breathe through our mouth as much as we eat through our nose mm-hmm. we don't eat through yeah. our nose we shouldn't breathe through our, the only times we should breathe through our mouth is when we're eating mm. and when we're singing and when we're swimming Mm-hmm. Um, the rest of the time we should be breathing through our noses because our noses have got lots of tissues in it to help mm-hmm. us um, breathe and structures and um, it increases our health and it improve, improves our use of our parasympathetic system mm-hmm. to calm us down and um, that's really really important so mm-hmm. I think I don't know whether you would call it resilience but I think 
understanding our bodies better mm-hmm. to be able to use them when we're going through a time of adversity yeah now, you know knowing when to run and when mm-hmm. to stand still away from something yeah and through it to make mm-hmm. that decision is yeah. really make a difference yeah I don't know whether I've gone off the topic but no not not at all it's something personal that yeah. um, well personal is what we want <laughs> definitely no it's all relevant because I'm just listening to you and I'm thinking it's definitely relates to resilience the breathing because when you're when you're in adversity of of various forms you need to be able to self-regulate don't you you need to notice if your breathing is is is, isn't controlled if you're over breathing hyperventilating so it's it's critical it is definitely yeah and it's really hard to do it in the moment isn't it mm -hmm. I often talk to people about you're going to have to practice so it becomes natural you're on autopilot yeah because if you try and use it in those those tough moments Mm -hmm. it won't happen you'll be too much in the franticness of trying to solve it or yeah. to away from it or whatever yeah, yeah but if you do it enough when you don't need it mm-hmm. you train it like you would go to a gym yeah it's a bit like going to the gym isn't on the running machines you yeah. train your muscles to run mm-hmm. so when you need to run to catch the bus <laughs> it just yeah. does it yeah yeah <laughs> and your heart just does it yeah you know um i think i think resilience is the same yeah it's mm-hmm. like a muscle like you said before isn't it yeah I think you can train your body to cope with those tough times mm-hmm. yeah. as you can train your mind yes yeah. yeah so let's move on to kind of I mean we're already naturally exploring that now but focusing in it on sleep and mm. how that can be how that can be leveraged how that can be used to bolster and build someone's resilience and it would be good if you also took to, um yeah as we explore it you think share examples or insights in terms of people or individuals young people and adults with, with autism yeah as well because yeah. you, you mentioned about that mm-hmm. um, um it's a very specialized area but mm-hmm. I think we all have traits of autism in, in us don't we you know we we quite um often depending on how stressful it is might move away from interacting with people because we're finding it stressful mm-hmm. and, and so we might think we've got traits of autism but often you know it, it's not at all the same it it is a you know a very different way of seeing the world but yeah the, the problem with people with autism have is that they have a reduction in melatonin mm-hmm. and melatonin is what's needed to help us go to sleep mm-hmm. so quite often um doctors don't prescribe melatonin any longer or they're trying not to prescribe it mm-hmm. for sleep problems that ask yeah. you to um, do cognitive behavior therapy for insomnia. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're prescribing a company called Sleepio um, to do right. that. But okay. that only happened a month ago that you could go for to have Sleepio free via right. your GP. Okay. So it's a digital um, therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't always work for everybody. If it's really entrenched insomnia, you might need a therapist to guide you through it and to keep yeah. you on track. And mm-hmm. if you've got complicated insomnia, you might need more on top of it. But yeah. for, for lots of people, it's a digital program that, that can make a big difference. Mm-hmm. Um, but melatonin was the pres- prescription that GPs used to give, and um, but it only helped you fall asleep. It didn't help you stay asleep. Right. So, they, so sometimes there are two problems that people are suffering from, and they just say they have a sleep problem, but it, it could be one, it could be the other, or it could be both. So it's good yes. to work out which it is. And so for mm-hmm. people with autism, it is often the the falling asleep rather than staying asleep that's a problem. Yeah. Um, and if we can get melatonin into somebody um, in higher levels with autism, it can help. But mm-hmm. we're, they're, they're not the only group that find it hard to get to sleep. 
But what we don't realise is we don't need to get tablets from the doctor. Um, I don't prescribe that to people with autism and I wouldn't subscribe it to somebody that's got problems falling asleep. Um, there is a very natural and free way to get melatonin mm-hmm. um, and that's through sunlight. Um, right. Bodies taking sunlight, especially morning sunlight, mm-hmm. the NOx value is really perfect mm-hmm. for converting the light via the optical nerve mm-hmm. into the um, pineal gland into mm-hmm. melatonin so it cl- creates a reservoir of melatonin just sitting in the pineal gland and then when right. it's dark at night it releases it it's like a little mm-hmm. sparkle that comes and spreads all over the brain right fall asleep mm-hmm. so if you're an owl like i am you don't get as much morning light mm-hmm. so, you, so owls are more prone to depression mm-hmm. than um larks people that get up early in the morning and get out there it's great i um I'm, I, I feel I, I am quite resilient to depression because I've got two dogs and right. I have to take them for a walk. Yes. <laughs> Even if I don't get up early, nine o'clock, still some good daylight. Oh, yes. Yeah. Get, you know, your, your melatonin. And I, in the morning, I can only afford a 20 minute walk. Yeah. But again, it's good exercise as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I even talk about people with learning disability and autism that, don't get out and about much, mm. just to sit in the garden yeah. for 20 minutes. And I know we used to talk um, about fresh air is really good for you. We're now beginning to think it's not just the fresh air, it's probably the daylight mm. you're getting that's really, really important. Um, so I'm so doing- how much daylight? What's the research? Is, is there a recommendation for- Yeah, 20 minutes is all you need. Only 20, yeah. right. That's not a lot, is it? No, but how many people in lockdown didn't get that? How many people sit on their computers, think that the light coming in through the window might be enough? But actually, nobody nobody gets told at school, do they? You have to be more surprised that this is even... But our bodies are ancient. Our yes. bodies are still our bodies. Our bodies still have in the brain mm-hmm. the pineal gland that mm-hmm. needs to do what it needs to do. Mm-hmm. Um, our body... I think the other fascinating fact... Um, that's important about so melatonin is one of the chemicals that our bodies need to sleep and another mm-hmm. one's called adenosine mm-hmm. um, and adenosine helps us maintain sleep so mm-hmm. melatonin helps us fall asleep and adenosine helps us maintain sleep mm-hmm. um, and me- adenosine is affected by coffee so adenosine um, there's lots in your body when you go to sleep if you've had if you've had a good build-up of it but yeah coffee binds to it so it stops it working. So that's right. why you pick me up in the morning because that, that drowsiness is gone because it stopped adenosine doing its job. Right. So that's why coffee is good in the morning because you yeah. want to be wide awake. Yeah. But it's got a very long half-life, we call it. Mm-hmm. So if you drink, for the majority of people, if they drink coffee after lunchtime, it will still be in their body when they go to bed. Mm. So all that adenosine is still locked on with coffee and it won't be doing its job. Um, so we need to help as many people. If you want to pick me up, you love your Starbucks, your Costa, yeah. you know, your, your, your lovely cappuccinos mm-hmm. from a local um, cafe, um, have them, but have them in the morning. Yeah. Really savour them because, yeah, we all need a pick-me-up and it mm-hmm. smells gorgeous as well, doesn't yeah. it? Um, and there are some people, because all our bodies are different, we're not perfectly the mm-hmm. same, some people can... Um, metabolize coffee quicker so mm-hmm. some people can drink it in the evening and it doesn't affect them yeah but the majority of people it does affect right. so it's really important that mm-hmm. if you're struggling with your sleep and um, you don't have coffee in the afternoon yeah and our sleep is so precious 
for um for our resilience for mm-hmm. that that first one particularly your emotional regulation your emotional awareness yes there are four stages in sleep so mm-hmm. you've you probably heard of REM sleep everybody's yeah. heard of rapid eye movement mm-hmm. that's the fourth one so mm-hmm. when you first fall asleep you go through REM very quickly you often bypass it you might go mm-hmm. into a quick dream yeah. and you go to what we call N1 which is when you sometimes feel that you've fallen off a cliff Mm-hmm. You suddenly have a jerk, don't you? Yeah. Um, so that lasts about 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Then you go into N2, which is where your body starts to recover from the physical day. It washes out all the toxins. Mm-hmm. It cleans out all the neurotransmitters that it doesn't want. When you're asleep, your brain is going crazy busy. You know, mm-hmm. your body may be really still, but when we put those electrodes on people's heads, it's like a party is going wild mm. with everything that's going on. So in N2, it's helping your body recover. So if you've been very physical that day, you might have more N2 sleep. Than right. before. N3 is where we start working through our memories. So our bodies, our, um, our minds are working out all those things in that entry, all those mm-hmm. memories that have come in today. Which ones do I want to keep? Mm-hmm. And which ones do I not need? So it's working through that at night. So your filing cabinet is a little bit emptier. So yeah. you can put new stuff into it. So mm-hmm. you can learn more. Um, and then, so that's N3, or sometimes known as deep sleep. Mm-hmm. And then you go into REM sleep. And yeah. that's when you do all your dreaming. Mm-hmm. You do some dreaming as well in, in deep sleep as well. But the, the emotional um, recovery from the day and any trauma that you've experienced a lot of that will happen in REM sleep because mm-hmm. it's called rapid eye movement on purpose because your brain is thinking through the problems you've had during the day the emotional things you you're trying to work through or mm-hmm. you've encountered and um, but your body is very still mm-hmm. so we know today that people are going through REM sleep through our Fitbits and Apple watches yeah it monitors lack of movement in the body mm-hmm. because our bodies become paralyzed in REM sleep they mm-hmm. do not move at all the only things that's moving is your eyes and your breath your mm. diaphragm is working mm-hmm. still the rest of your body is, is is not moving because what you're trying to do in REM sleep is you're trying to process those emotions mm-hmm. but without the cortisol effect without the fight or flight yeah and also your brain is so much more flexible so much mm-hmm. more resilient when it's asleep because it can do lots of lateral thinking how many times have your dreams been really wacky yeah <laughs> you know, they, they combine all sorts of history and current and yeah magical stuff mm-hmm. so you can laterally solve problems that you couldn't have done before um and it's when we're the most creative you'll often hear of um the rolling stones Mick jagger talking about two of his songs he wrote when he was dreaming um right. you'll often hear of poets saying i woke up and i wrote down those last few lines that i couldn't mm-hmm. work out what they were going to be it's because our brains are so active so people are under real what the world was until we had we managed to find the the kit that could measure what was happening mm-hmm. in our brain to work out that yeah you know I think we couldn't be as resilient if we didn't have sleep in which to help us to find some of those solutions yeah and to yeah. rest our body so it can get on with the next day and and have the right memories tucked away and, and got rid of the ones uh, to do with where you parked your car yeah <laughs> Yeah. whatever else yeah. you only keep the ones that are important yeah yeah, yeah. does that make sense no no it's, it's fantastic um yeah. I think my takeaway is sleep and creativity because <laughs> I've learned that um yeah kind of later on in life that I am really creative and I think being as being a business owner and having multiple hats and responsibilities yeah. and I think creativity 
is um important when when you're having to do many yeah. different things yeah and, and people how- engage with it don't they create yes yeah in a way they that they don't with other things yes yes definitely and as, as you were sharing about the, the, the different levels of, of sleep and also, I guess, about the fact that, you know, some of us, when we like drinking caffeine, it can have a different impact on us. Some of us can metabolize it easier. And I think for me, I've never struggled with sleep, fortunately. So I've not probably, I'm just, I'm beyond it, haven't paid as much attention to it as I probably should because I just sleep. <laughs> regardless of what has happened in my day I can just put my head down and I'm off even if I'm really stressed and Mm. having um caffeine later now I don't have it a lot now but I used to I mean it doesn't really affect me at all um but my my sister she'd cut out caffeine from her diet so I've started having a combination of yeah caffeinated and decaffeinated Mm -hmm. coffee so in the evening I'll have decaf but it's healthier. It's better for you anyway. So that's why I'm doing it for health reasons. But it, it's just really insightful mm-hmm. what you've shared. And it's just helped me to realize that, yeah, we, we do need to be a lot more mindful in terms of what we're putting in our body, how yes. it's impacting upon our resilience and just our ability just to function mm-hmm. in life because we've got yeah. enough that we face anyway. So why are we <laughs> going to make it even more difficult yeah. for us? Yeah. And I think the hardest bit about sleep is if it isn't a problem, don't try and fix it. Yeah. You know, I have to say that so often because people can then get obsessed about it yeah. and then it starts to be a problem. Yeah. It's such a natural thing. Mm-hmm. We just need to trust it and but value it yes. as well. And it yeah. sounds like you value your sleep. You I know? do. Yeah, I love sleep. It's yeah. But I I never, I mean, I come across, you know, as a therapist lots of people struggling with sleep for various reasons their mood and anxiety and, and I love helping them um but yeah I've just never never struggled with it and that's probably partly you know the stuff you talk about mindset is really important for insomnia it is yeah. to change the mindset mm-hmm. and to begin to trust it and to value it yeah. you know um, as sleep consultants we often talk about five things and um, to do with sleep and often mm-hmm. insomniacs can do the first three which is prioritize it mm-hmm. protect it and personalize yeah. it they yeah. can do all those they can say i know the sleep hygiene rules inside out and i mm-hmm. apply them but the last two they find really hard and that's to just trust it yeah natural yeah that magic stupid number of eight hours sleep is so annoying I was going to ask you that because I was yeah that is one of the questions let's just talk about it now because I was having (laughs) how because I was looking at what the National Sleep Foundation suggests what 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 yeah how much how much sleep do do adults need well it and that's a good thing it's a good question that because you use the word adult because yes. babies and young children and teenagers yes. they need different amounts of sleep yeah and when you're older again once you get past the age of 60 mm-hmm. you need a different amount of sleep mm-hmm. or a different way of having sleep so you might want to have a nap um yeah. but you might want the same quantity it's just in a different times so you might yeah. do, you might gain it at other moments mm-hmm. because your bladder doesn't work as well so yeah you have to go and get to the or you've got pains that you wouldn't have otherwise yeah and um, yeah for the average adult it is exactly the same as height and weight and shoe size it varies right <laughs> you know? okay so so anywhere where you feel rested mm-hmm. and you're not shattered can we use the word knackered I quite like yeah. that word. I think, 
Yeah. We, yeah, we all know what you mean. We yeah. Not, yeah. <laughs> if you're not knackered, then you're getting enough sleep and don't yeah. worry about it. Just get on with it. Get on with the rest of your life. Yeah. It doesn't matter. But if you are knackered and you're feeling knackered and shattered mm-hmm. and really fatigued for days on end, then, yeah. then maybe you're not getting the right amount of sleep for you. Mm-hmm. And what you need to do is to work out when do I not feel shattered and how many hours sleep did I get then? Yeah. So for some people, they might measure it when they're on holiday and they go, yeah, when I'm on holiday, I get so many hours sleep mm. and, and therefore, you know, and I don't feel shattered. That doesn't mm-hmm. work for everybody. Not everybody feels rested when they're on holiday. Yeah. It's a different place. But but whenever you do feel rested, how many hours sleep did you get? And that's, mm-hmm. that's your personal quota. Yeah. But it's very unusual for people to, to be able to feel rested on less than six hours. Yeah. And if they go over nine hours, you can have too much sleep. Yeah. Not good for you. So that's called hypersomnia. Mm-hmm. And either, you know, if you get too extreme, it's really bad for your health. So mm-hmm. people like Margaret Thatcher said she could she could manage on four hours sleep. Four? Oh, gosh. That's but not hey, sleep. That's a little nap, isn't it? Yeah. Right. Well, but do we all want to be like Margaret Thatcher? No. 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 <laughs> Um, but actually what we do know is she had alzheimer's so right so we do know that actually our mental health is affected hugely long term Mm. from long-term sleep deprivation yeah um so we're beginning to get the evidence now that all the dementias um have got a strong relationship to deprivation of sleep Mm -hmm. Um, uh, but so many other conditions do yeah Um, you know physical health conditions diabetes cancers heart conditions cardiovascular Mm -hmm. um, and then for the from the mental health point of view anxiety you know we only need to think about those times when we've when we were talking before we said you you know you can you can catch up a little so we might have like three days when we've really got an agenda we've got to push through a, Mm a deadline but actually, by day three, we're a bit more irritable, aren't we? Oh, yeah. A bit more anxious, <laughs> yeah. kind of like a bit more on edge. Yeah. So it, it can tip into anxiety. Yeah. And if that's long term, we know that it, it has a strong correlation between the two that, and even more so for depression, the research is beginning to show us that we can spot a depression by measuring sleep problems three months before. Mm-hmm. So, and if we can correct that sleep problem from that earlier sleep problem, the depression won't happen. Mm-hmm. So there is such a strong link that we think that that, that there's, it, it's an integral causal part of the sleep problem. Yeah. And there's some international studies. It's not just in the UK. It's happening in some third world countries mm-hmm. um, as well as um first world countries yeah. to see that is this a body thing rather than a cultural and mm-hmm. um, societal thing um so yes you know if we can get sleep right um then then the chances of us helping more people with mental health problems real severe ones yeah can be, make a huge difference mm-hmm. and it makes sense doesn't it you know it does yeah it, 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 we it, think we need to sort through things yeah. in our head and we need that emotional time to mm-hmm. sleep and to think about it, mm-hmm. then we're depriving ourselves of those yes. essential moments, mm-hmm. aren't we? Yeah. And it just makes me think about sleep. The fact that, you know, when, when we do have a good night's sleep, it helps with your ability to learn. It helps with information processing. And we know that with like anxiety and depression, there's lots of information processing biases. But if you're actually able to sleep, then, you know, if you're in a situation where you are anxious, you're more able to kind of think rationally mm-hmm. and, and, and use, yeah, use your brain to the best of its ability. And yeah. some of it, it's, it's not even rocket science, but I think sometimes we can just forget the basics. 
Mm-hmm. But we're not taught it, are we, Martina? No. That's why I said right at the beginning, you know, I yeah. had a dream that we will teach kids in schools. Yeah. Because, you know, if if the kids know, so there's, there's one golden rule that I wish most people knew, and I don't think many people know it, is if you've got a sleep problem, set the time that you wake up every single day to exactly the same time mm-hmm. so if if you haven't got a sleep problem get on and do whatever you like have as yeah. very sleep as you want but if you've got a sleep problem try and get up even at the weekends even on the days you're not working at exactly the same mm-hmm. time because your brain will get used to it yeah it will begin to say to itself I'm going to be sleeping till then yeah. I'll make sure I go through all those n1 n2 n3 and REM mm-hmm. sleep in a nice little circle yeah times in the night so you wake up at a good healthy time so you don't feel fatigued because you woke up in the middle of a deep sleep or whatever yeah and your brain loves it your brain Mm -hmm. will actually work it out Mm -hmm. I think the other thing that I often share with people that um I think would be really useful is that we actually live our life in 90 minute cycles so I don't know if you've heard that before. No I think I didn't know that. So our energy levels go in 90 minute cycles so at the start of the 90 minutes, we're mm-hmm. at a really high and we're really feeling energetic. Mm-hmm. 45 minutes later, we'll be feeling at our most tired. Mm-hmm. And then 45 minutes later, we'll be back at being at our most energized. Mm-hmm. And if we can remember that when we're trying to get asleep, go to sleep when we're at our low point, when we're feeling our least energized. Yeah. Um, because that happens. I don't know if you know when, you know, you think I've, I tried to sleep on the couch downstairs. I fell asleep to a program. I felt really tired. Yeah. And I'm no longer tired. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, get to know your internal body is really Mm -hmm. important. And mindfulness can help with that. But the other thing that helps with that is doing a thing what I call the yawn effect. So you can measure when your natural yawn is, not when you've copied somebody out there, (laughs) or you're suddenly thinking about yawning. So we both have that instinct now that we want to yawn, don't we? But when (laughs) one naturally happens, that's going to be your first low point. Mm-hmm. So you can work out 90 minutes later will be another low point right. and another one be another 90 minutes later. So that's three hours later. Mm-hmm. So if you yawned at five o'clock, then you'd have another low point at eight o'clock, mm-hmm. another low point at 11 o'clock. So yeah. bed, be in bed, ready to sleep at 11 o'clock mm-hmm. and you'd right. catch the best wave. So I'm going to be thinking about that tonight. <laughs> yeah, yawn. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And now that you've said that I want to yawn, don't I? I'm like, I'm not going to yawn. <laughs> I'm not tired. No. Um, and we don't know why that happens yet. We don't yeah. have any insights. I can't give you any insights yeah. into that yet. We'll have to bring you back on when the research has been published in the future. <laughs> so just going back to the um yes, the rivers to resilience model. Mm-hmm. Which of those kind of areas or rivers, should I say, would you have you kind of used or kind of leveraged in your life to, to build? resilience so I'll just summarize them for the listeners if in case they don't know so there's the the first one which is looking at um, emotional awareness self-awareness and regulation and there's cognitive training stress management strategies physical health fitness exercise that kind of integrates the sleep social connectedness spirituality self-affirmations and growth mindset I love them all (laughs) it's really hard to pick I knew that was coming our last what no yeah one of our guests who's a HR specialist that's that's what she said (laughs) really really hard isn't it I think that the one that I have to work on the most is the physical health um I I do like cycling I Mm -hmm. do like 
um, taking my dogs for a walk. Yeah. But, um, I'm not somebody like that likes to go to the gym. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love outdoorsy stuff. Yeah. Um, but I don't particularly, you know, and I'm not a runner. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I find it, I like those things, but it's not sometimes as energetic as your body would appreciate, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's enjoying what you'd like. And I think that's what I've heard quite a few people say, is when you're trying to work out doing something physical, mm-hmm. do things that you enjoy because you're yes. more likely to keep doing it. Yes, so definitely. It's, I've really had to work on that and not mm-hmm. try keep trying stuff that everybody else does. Yeah. I think the closest I've got to going to the gym is loving Zumba. Um, well, that's... But yeah, that's the, the I gym. Like a little bit of a yeah. Um, so yeah, and I love music. So yeah. just dancing in the kitchen, like at the weekend. Oh, well, there you go. Glastonbury, yeah. but mm-hmm. it, you know, I, I think I, those. That's the one I perhaps need to work on the most. Yeah. I think the one that I um, naturally do that I don't even realise is I do love to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, my family know I'm obsessed with leaflets when we go on holiday. I want to absorb all the <laughs> right. I want to know what's going on. I yeah. don't want to miss an event that's happening. You know, if there was a festival on, right. I want to be there. You know, okay. I love learning. I mm-hmm. love finding out from other people what's mm-hmm. going on in their life, what makes them tick. Yeah. I can't help but be really nosy. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I think a, a lot of... Um, Psychologists, therapists, and counselors. I'm nosy or curious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that one comes really easy to me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's it, isn't it? It's about no, I think your rivers of resilience is really good because it helps you know which ones you're good at and yeah. which ones you perhaps need to work on mm-hmm. so yeah. that you can you can become a little bit better balanced in it all yes yeah um, and it's just I think it's also about leveraging it and like you were saying doing with like with the exercise or um you know being active doing what works for you not comparing yourself to others because we're all unique we, and we've got to align ourselves with our values because that's when it's going to be rewarding yeah. otherwise you just you're not going to you're not going to stick to it at, no. at all um some you know you were saying you like walking and cycling I've recently taken up cycling and so I don't do it yeah I do it kind of every so often but it, I've realized that it's something that I'm really passionate about and I, it, I feel like it's taken me back to my childhood when I used to I used to ride like in in, in the local malls and it was just fantastic so I remember I went um maybe it was a Four months ago was the first time I'd cycled in about 20 oh, years. Oh my gosh, Martina. Yeah. So because my sister, she went through her own health challenges and she's she's yeah, she's very active now and she cycled. So we went cycling. We oh, probably cycled 10 miles. And what I realized was that actually I loved it. I think I was surprised, my sister was that. But actually, all of that uh, that passion and energy that I had from the age of maybe 15, it was still there. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. I was like, wow, it was it felt it was very easy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's nice, isn't it, to find something easy? I think there is something yeah. I'm the same. I love cycling. Yeah. I um I love the independence of it. I think it, it is that bit when you're younger, it reminds you of that you can go further. Yeah. You don't need to be near your parents. You can yeah. have an adventure, can't you? Definitely. Um, and, and be further away. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I used it a lot in lockdown. Yeah. Um, it used to be cycling so much that when my kids were younger, I would cycle at night once they'd gone to bed because I wanted the exercise, but I also right. like watching films. So yeah. I'd cycle. Um, but actually, I don't need to do that now. They're older. So doing it outside is even better. Yeah. Um, and it's just so nice, the things that you pass, the countryside. That's it. Oh, yes. It's, oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm just reliving it now. <laughs> what happened in lockdown was I loved it so much and was talking about, oh, I've had far more time to do it, that my husband, who's a runner, said, oh, I might come and join you. I was like, oh, my gosh, no, this is my thing. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's really hilarious. I think many people during lockdown have found, well, you had to find new, new interests, didn't we? We were limited in how we could experience enjoyment in, yeah. in, in life. So, and you know, and that the good thing about that, and I was talking about learning before, was the fact that I taught him that there's a great thing called slime tires. What's so that? Slime tires are tires that are filled with slime. So when you get a puncture, oh. it just reseals itself again. So you don't have to change your tires. Oh. So that fear of going cycling and not being a, and having a puncture and therefore mm-hmm. being stuck somewhere doesn't happen. Right. I'm gonna, I'll be looking into those slime tires. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so wow. isn't it, that's the other thing, connecting, sharing, you know, yes. learning from each other, remembering what childhood was like. You yeah. know? I love that part of your Rivers of Resilience, mm-hmm. that bit about the connectivity is so important. It is. Me. And sometimes we, we, we overlook it, don't we? Because the, sometimes just the way that society is. But the reality is no man is an island. We need one another, even just in the workplace. And I think people, some people would have realised it more during lockdown, that that connection is, is, is key. Otherwise, it prevents you from learning and growing. And you just sometimes you just take for granted seeing someone and someone just smiling at you. <laughs> I think you know yourself better by having it reflected back to you Yeah, somebody else. Yeah, um, and I loved you talking about you did it with your sister. You know, that bike ride I don't think would have been as great if you hadn't have done it with your sister. No, it, it wouldn't. It's it's. I just I just think there's there's so much that we can learn about ourselves by just kind of getting outside of our comfort zones, and also not even waiting for someone to invite us to do something or to explore something. Just just doing it because I'm the type of person I don't I'm a social I don't like doing things alone just because I'm a social person but with this cycling I've just found myself just going for a cycle along the canal because it was a beautiful day and and the sun was out and I knew it was gonna rain the next day so I was like come on get that bike out get cycling and it oh I just felt amazing and and that's putting that the um filling up your, your um your resilience bank yeah, definitely. I mean, perhaps we need to do a cycle together. Yeah, well, why not? <laughs> yeah, I am. I'm just really. Um, I would say lockdown has helped me to reconnect with myself, mm. and I am like even in my lunch breaks now. Sometimes when I don't get to the gym, I will just go for a walk, and sometimes I get my bike out, cycle around the park. I would never have done that in the past, but it's just you just got to embrace who yeah. you are and what you're discovering about yourself and yeah um it is amazing isn't it when you you try something new and something yes. different you you realize what you do like and what you don't like I think yes. that's important you could have gotten your bike and you didn't like it yeah you learned even then what is it that you don't like about yes 
yeah which We've is really important yeah. yeah i mean my my um, eldest daughter um she didn't like exercise she didn't like sweating mm-hmm. but actually she's suddenly discovered that she really loves tennis and that right. you know and that there's a because she's quite competitive yeah so that, you know she's learned that about herself along the way mm-hmm. um so yeah no matter whether you like something or you don't it's it's fascinating isn't it yeah it is it is yeah, yeah. So the final um, area for us or question for me that I'd like to ask you is just thinking about if you had a conversation with your younger self, what, what would you say to your younger self? And what would, your, what would you have wanted your younger self to know? I think that um, some of the mindfulness stuff is really powerful today, that I wish we had mindfulness around when I was younger. And mm-hmm. um, I think that that idea about... Um, responding not reacting would have been really handy when I was a teenager yeah (laughs) many times when I just reacted I think my hormones were going crazy yeah um and to know that you know yeah take a breath like we were talking about before Mm -hmm. and 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 figure out what's important why it's made you feel a certain way in your body Mm -hmm. and and respond in a way that sits with your values would be really important um I've learned that along the way I think Mm -hmm longer to to fathom that out than um I'd have wanted so yeah Mm -hmm. I think that if I was to do anything but to just enjoy the journey yeah to just to to be and not to do Mm -hmm. um, and embrace it all um, is really really important that you know um we life passes so quickly and uh, we we need a stop sometimes Mm -hmm. and, and and yeah and just be more than do all those to do lists that everybody have yeah the list will get grow longer and longer yeah and just work out how to be mm-hmm. you rather than anything else I suppose yeah. is, is what I would say to myself it would have been mm-hmm. nice to have thought that through yeah I, I had yeah. um had a really wonderful granddad um when I was younger he had um, a shop and I used to spend quite a lot of time just sitting in his shop talking mm-hmm. and I think he would have said that he was he was very much a person in the present moment, you know. Mm-hmm. Whoever came into the shop to be served, he was really present for them. Yeah. He wasn't thinking about, you know, how what stocks he was going to get in. Mm. You know, I'm just sitting on that stool next to him, watching him with customers, knowing mm-hmm. that that was really important yeah. and how it helped him probably have more customers. Mm-hmm. You know, because he just wanted to know their story and wanted to yeah. be with them that made them come in again the next time mm-hmm. so yeah yeah I think that um yeah I'm glad I've hold, held on to that I suppose mm-hmm. more than anything yeah, yeah no that's great so enjoying the journey and um being and, and, and not doing really and, and to, I guess just being present essentially and enjoying the moment um yeah but yeah I know that that's fantastic thank you for sharing that with us and for being here Today it's been fantastic to to have you on the podcast. How can our listeners? How can they get in contact with you? Well, it's really easy. I um I've only just started running my own business, so I don't even have a web page yet. So they can get a hold of me on the phone. You can text me, and um, yeah. my contact number is o double seven six eight o six eight o seven o. Mm-hmm. Um, just send us a message and we'll find a time to talk so I'm offering 15 minutes free consultation mm-hmm. to people um, on a Thursday and a Friday morning between half eight and quarter to ten mm-hmm. so people can phone in book a time slot and we can have a chat right. sometimes I don't need to help sometimes it's about them being referred on to somebody else mm-hmm. 
and sometimes it's giving them some really quick easy wins and seeing how it goes yeah back to me later um, but if you don't want to phone, then my email is a little bit different. So I'm Dr. Jill McGarry. You can find me on LinkedIn using that. Mm-hmm. Um, but my email still is jill at eastburn. So E-A-S-T-B-U-R-N dot biz, B-I-Z. Thanks again for listening to another episode of Rivers to Resilience. To keep up to date, connect with us online at www.rafatherapyservices.com and on all social media platforms. It's your time to be revived, restored and refocused.